I've had like 50 people today ask me if it's ugly Christmas sweater day. And I, I said, why would you ask me that? I don't understand. My wife picked this out for me. I'm not sure why exactly she chose this theme, but uh, we're glad that you're here today. And you know, uh, man, if you were here last week, if you were here during the second service last week, we had a wonderful, really wonderful moment. There were uh, four sisters that all accepted Jesus and were baptized, and we wanted to celebrate them. Ariana, uh, Brianna, Maria, and Isabella. I've got a picture of all four of them. It was just a great moment last week. You know, we, uh, we, we do want to thank you guys for all the help this, this last weekend with the Polar Express. a great way for us to just, just to have fun with the community, invite them to come in and, and be part of our, our family for a little bit. And I do hope that you are making plans to be here for Christmas Eve. That's, that is my favorite service of the year. It's such a meaningful time and, uh, for family to come together, bring your, bring your friends and neighbors and you know, whoever else. And it's, it's going to be a wonderful, wonderful service Next Sunday is going to be a really special service. It's kind of become a little tradition that didn't really mean for it to, but over the last several years, the Sunday before Christmas, we've always kind of done some, a lot of special music and had some different uh, parts to the service. It'd be a lot different than what it normally is. So you really don't want to miss next week. A lot of work has gone into that, and you will be blessed, I promise you. So next Sunday is going to be incredible. Christmas Eve is going to be wonderful. Christmas Day, I mean, I know a lot of people are like, well, we probably won't be there Christmas Day. I'm like, that is literally the day of Christ's birth. I think we, we ought to come and worship him that day. So we're going to do that. I'm really looking forward to that as well and just hope that you're, you are looking forward to it too. Now, if you're here last week, Riley, uh, who just did announcements, our student pastor, he, he preached last week. Didn't he do a good job? Wasn't, it, wasn't that great? He did a great job. Now, we're, we're, we're blessed to have him here, but not only, not only him, but, uh, and he mentioned last week his fiance Annie, uh, who's here as well. She's just a, a real sweetheart. They're getting married in a few months. But he did not tell you the story of how they met, and I thought it would be my job today to share that with you, how they met. One day, Riley was, uh, he was going on a trip, and he had to fly there, so he got on an airplane. He sat down, there's an empty seat next to him. And, you know, if you've ever been in that position, you know there's always a little bit of anxiety because it's like, who's going to take that seat, right? And he's a single dude at the time, so he's thinking, this could be, this could be the woman of my dreams. You know, who knows who's going to sit next to me? And sure enough, Annie comes along, and she's looking at her ticket and looking at the, at the numbers, you know, and she realizes that's her seat. She sits down next to him. And Riley, if you, if you get to know him, he's a smooth operator. And uh, he... Uh, so she sat down, and he, he turned to her, and he says, hey, I'm just wondering, did the airline charge you extra to sit next to a handsome man? And she said, well, yeah, they wanted to, but I didn't do it. Uh, and that is how their love story began. <laughs> That's not true. That's made up. I'm totally kidding. But... Uh, but but that story is more fun than probably what the real one is. When I was, <laughs> I was thinking about, I was thinking about love this week, and uh, and we have a major love problem in in our in our culture, in our, in our world, uh, in our lives. We throw the word around a lot. We love these things, you know. It's like, okay, I I love cheeseburgers, you know. I love my wife. I love my kids. I love, you know, football. I love. 
ugly sweaters, you know. It's like some of those things don't fit in the same category as the other things. But we, we toss the word around a whole lot. We, we love these things and we love these people. But our, our concept of, of love and what it is, is is pretty narrow because we have connected the word love with feelings. We're sort of driven by emotions and, you know, these, if, I, if I feel all warm and toasty inside and tingly-wingly, then, then I'm in love. You know, that's what that must be. And we say things like, I used to really love this person, but I'm just not feeling it anymore. You know, I love this thing, but I just, oh, it's just not doing it for me anymore. And so we arrive here today, we're talking about Christmas. And you know what we talk about? As we talk about Christmas, the concepts that we talk about aren't new. These are not new concepts. It's, it's, it's part of the transcendent nature of the holiday. I mean, we're, we're, we're talking about old concepts, but it's, it's amazing to me how even when we talk about things that have, we've been talking about for thousands of years, it's, it can be fresh and it can be new. And it's amazing how we, how we forget. And we've been spending a little time talking about Advent, which the word Advent, it just means arrival. A lot of, um, a lot of you maybe grew up in a, a a church, a denomination, something where Advent was part of what you did every year. And, uh, and you know that it's just kind of a time for us to set aside and remember and focus on what are the things that came with Jesus when Jesus arrived. Hope and peace and love and joy. That's what it is. So every week we light a candle, we talk about a certain aspect of Christmas. We started by, by talking about hope. Last week, Riley talked about peace, and today we're going to talk about love. And the concept of, of Christmas, the concept of love, how does it affect our lives? I want to look at a passage of Scripture in Matthew 1, and I'm going to, I'm going to read it to you. We're going to kind of read through these verses, and we'll go back and look at it a little more in depth as we go. But in Matthew 1, starting in verse 18, it says, This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream Joseph, son of David, the angel said, Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. She will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child, she will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. And when Joseph woke up, he did exactly as the angel of the Lord commanded, and he took Mary as his wife, but he did not, did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born, and Joseph named him Jesus. It's kind of the whole story there in a nutshell. When we think about Christmas, we spend a lot of time, and rightfully so, we spend a lot of time talking about Jesus. It is his, it is his birthday, you know, it is the day that he entered the world. So that's, that's good. That's what it's about. But we also spend a lot of time talking about Mary. And we think about the sacrifices that she made and the things that she were, was up against and what a, what a life-altering 
scenario this would have been for her not expected you know totally unexpected we talk about you know we think about the christmas story we talk about the wise men and we talk about the shepherds and we talk about the angels but you know who always gets shoved to the back of our nativities i think it's joseph we just don't talk about joseph very often and, and we, he, he just ends up in the background. And, and here's what I've been thinking about this week is that Joseph is a wonderful example of how to love. If you begin, you know, if you begin at the start of all this, you've got to keep in mind, you know, we go back to looking at this, the, the narrative of, of what happened here, how Jesus entered into our world. Mary and Joseph would have been teenagers. Uh, you know, no one knows for sure, but most likely they were somewhere in the range of 14 to 18 years old. That was, that was how old that they were. Mary probably was a little younger than Joseph, uh, but they were engaged. They're going to be married. The wedding is right around the corner, and then this wild thing happens. Uh, Mary is pregnant, much to Joseph's surprise. So you know the questions that he's got to be asking her, and he's got to be asking himself and you know that she's saying hey here's what's happened obviously he's not buying that story and 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 i play this out in in my head you know he, he does something that is so interesting there's something that joseph does that it's so easy for us to just skirt right past and miss it if this were you or me today if this were our scenario you're engaged to be married to this person and all of a sudden surprise Guess what? God's spoken to me, and I am pregnant, and I'm going to give birth to the Son of God. And you know what hasn't been happening. What would you do? I believe most people in that scenario would do probably what what probably all of us would do. You'd tell your mom. You'd tell your dad. You'd tell your Uncle Joe. You'd tell your cousin Sue. You'd tell everybody on Facebook. You'd blow it up, tag her in it, say, can you believe what this woman did to me? She, you know, I, I've been, I, I just want everybody to know what kind of person that she is and what she's done. And you would make a big spectacle. I think we all would. And try to get as many sympathy points as possible. And, and I get it. And the reason that, that, that you might do that and that I, I might have done that is because we'd be heartbroken. You know, you... you You'd be cheated, lied to. How could this person betray me like this, right? Look what Joseph does. Verse 19, Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly. So he decided to break the engagement quietly. Obviously, at this, in this moment, Joseph doesn't know about the Holy Spirit's intervention he, he doesn't he, he's not putting the pieces together we're, we're looking at this story through the lens of we know what happened joseph's going through this for the first time he has no idea and his heart is broken and yet his first concern was for mary because he loved mary he did not want to disgrace her publicly that is a big man taking the high road I think that we, again, I think we shove Joseph to the background and we don't put a whole lot of spotlight on him. And maybe that's exactly the type of man that he was, that he just humble. But 
an angel appeared to Joseph, which must have been an absolutely life-changing event. And that angel says to him, don't be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. She hasn't been unfaithful to you. What has happened is this is from the Lord. This is a holy thing that's taking place. And verse 21 says, the, the angel says, she will have a son and you are to name him Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. Now, let me ask you this question. Let's just get right, let's just get right to the tough stuff. Has there ever been a moment in your life when you knew that God was calling you to do something? There's a step that he wanted you to take. There's some kind of a sacrifice. There's some sort of a pattern of sin in your life that God is calling you to repent of. He says, I want you to leave that behind. I want you to follow me faithfully. Has there ever been a moment in your life that you know that you know that you know God has spoken to your heart and he said, I want you to do this. And you said no. I'm sorry to say there have been multiple times in my life over the years that I, I knew God wanted me to, to do something. And my response was, I not that. No, I don't, I don't want to do that. And I went my own way. And I, and I, I, I'm thankful that there's been lots of times that I know God's spoken to me and said, I want you to do this. And I did. And, and, I'm, and I'm glad that I did. But I also grieve to think about, I wonder what could have been. The things that God wanted to do through me and in me. How he wanted to grow, grow me. And, and I missed those opportunities. I, I didn't take the step that he called me to take. And I'm, I'm thankful that God is all about second chances. But you look at this, what happens here. Joseph, not only did he love Mary, he didn't want to disgrace her. He was a faithful man who loved God. God said, I want you to take this step. I know this is big news. This is life-altering stuff. And it says that when Joseph woke up, in verse 24, when he woke up, he did exactly as the angel of the Lord commanded. He followed faithfully. This is what God said to do. That's what I'm going to do, step for step. He took Mary home as his wife. And this is a curious verse, the next one. But he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born. And Joseph named him Jesus. I've been thinking about all of these verses and kind of just marinating in them this past week. And it, you know, when I see a verse like that, I just kind of have to stop and pause and think, why, why is it important that this is in God's Word? Why does He want us to know this? You know, what, what's, what's the takeaway here? And, and as I read it, and as I think about it, as I've prayed about it, the thing that I realize is that Joseph, not only does he love Mary, not only does he love the Lord, not only is he a righteous, upright man, he takes the extra step by respecting and honoring this holy thing. That, that God is doing in Mary as, as Jesus is growing. He, he's putting everyone else first other than himself. You just see action after action after action that Joseph takes to serve and to love, to be selfless in every way. And then it says that Joseph named him Jesus. That's a really important thing for us to note also. You think about what that is saying. And, and, and honestly, I think truthfully this would be an easy thing for a lot of us to miss. Mary did not name him Jesus. You think all these things that happened in Mary's life, she, she was the one that the, the angel, you know, Gabriel comes to her and says, oh, greetings, 
this great thing is going to happen to you. And she's startled and, oh, how can this be? I'm a virgin. And he says, this is, this is good. God is doing this through you. And Mary's the one that is carrying him, you know, nine months within her. And yet she's not the one that named him. Joseph gives him the name Jesus. Why? It's because Joseph was adopting Jesus. That's why. Because he was taking him. He was saying, from this moment on, I'm going to care for you. You're going to have needs. You're, you're an infant. You can, you're the son of God, but, you, but, you, but you, you were born in this way. You came into the world this way. I'm going to make sure that your needs are provided for. I'm going to teach you in their culture. That would have been a big deal. Fathers were the ones that passed on information and skills to their children. That's why Jesus was a carpenter. Jesus was a carpenter because Joseph was a carpenter. Joseph was passing on. He was teaching and instructing him. And that's what he's doing. I'm giving you the name. I'm going to love you. I'm going to provide for you. Isn't it interesting? The story of Christmas, the greatest news in the history of the world that God has come. Emmanuel, God is with us. A Savior has come to us to rescue us from our sins. His entrance into the world came through an unwed mother and an adoptive father. Isn't that curious? Through a non-traditional family. So if you feel like you're coming to this season, you say, you know, my family, we're a bunch of, we're a bunch of nutballs, you know, it's like we're weird, it's, 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 everything's messed up, and why don't we have what other people have, and why does our family look like this, and everything's so difficult, and I come to Christmas, and now I feel discouraged and depressed because I don't have what's on the Hallmark Channel. Be encouraged. Be encouraged. Jesus' entrance into our world, it came through unlikely circumstances, what we would not have called you know, normal. And here's something that I've learned in my own parenting adventure. And after talking to lots of people who come from all kinds of backgrounds, you know, people who come from two-parent homes, one-parent homes, single mom, single dad, being raised by grandparents, being raised by aunts and uncles, uh, and, and everything in between, adoptive parents, people that I, I know, friends of mine, that you're talking about parenting and growing up and life experiences and all that sort of thing. This is what I know. There is a very unique role that fathers play. Guys, I want you to hear me. I want all the guys really, really to hear this. There's a very unique role that God has called you to play in the lives of your children. And moms are wonderful. I mean, we can't say enough about mothers. Mothers play a lot of, they wear a lot of hats and do a lot of wonderful things. But we're not talking about mothers today. We're talking about Joseph. Fathers, there is something very unique about what, about what you do. And I think many times dads get shoved into the background like our job is to help pay for stuff. And that's about it. But there's a whole lot more. And I believe we get a glimpse of that in Joseph's story. One of the primary duties of the father you are the one who tells your children who they are. That's your job. Moms are wonderful, and they certainly do a lot of reinforcing. But fathers, your responsibility is to tell your children, this is who you are. So you're instilling things in them like confidence and respect and gentleness and faithfulness and goodness and dependability, love, loyalty, honesty, 
all those sort of things. Dad, that's your job. Your job is to help your kids understand this is who you are. Those things and more, they're what dads instill into their children. Joseph gave him the name Jesus because he is going to save his people from their sins. That's what the angel said. You are going to give him the name Jesus. You're going to tell him this is your name because he's going to save his people from their sins. Joseph, think about this. Joseph was the first one to tell Jesus who he was. Joseph. It was his job. That was his role. Men, it is your job to tell your kids who they are and to help them to understand it. And I, and I, I think that's why abusive fathers and absent fathers are two of the most damaging things in our world today because we leave children not knowing who they are. We see this all the time. Young men, young women that are out in the world and they're trying anything, everything. What's going to fill the void? What's going to help me to you know, figure who I am or what I'm supposed to do or who I'm supposed to be because they never had a loving father in their life that was present to help them understand this is who you are. Some of you, that's been your story. You don't know who you are because you didn't have a loving father who was present and helped you to know that. Others of you, you've been abused by a man and he took a part from you. He took a piece from you and it's left in its place confusion and despair and you look at yourself in the mirror and you say i don't know who i am unfortunately not every man is like joseph unfortunately not every man is big enough to step into the role that god made for him so what's the answer what do we do there's this tension you feel it in our lives and in our world what what do we do this is this is the truth and when i say christmas is it's not about new concepts. It's about old concepts. I mean, it's, it's not new stuff. And what I'm getting ready to tell you, this is not new stuff. I'm not going to tell you something that's going to be totally brand new information. But I hope that you hear this in a fresh way. I hope that you can receive this in a way that just, that it goes beyond the surface. And it finds some little crevice in your heart that it can take root. And we trust it, that God's love for you is very real. You are really, truly, authentically loved by a holy and righteous God. You have a Father in heaven who is faithful and who will never leave you or abandon you. And His goal in your life is that you might, that you might experience that love in a way that changes you. That's why He sent Jesus the greatest gift to humanity, it was because of his love. Because he says, I want to rescue my people. I hope that you hear that. God is a father that loves you. And, and here's something that's, that's mind-blowing. And some of you are going to have a hard time with this concept. But it's, it's true. God loves you. But he does not love all the things that you do. And that's true. In fact, God doesn't like some of the things that you do at all. Uh, and I want to tell you, and some of you, some of you are not going to believe me about what I'm getting ready to say. You're not going to believe this, but I am as sure about this as I am about gravity. When we are opposed to God, when we are not living a faithful life, when, when, when we are not in a real right relationship with Him, 
God does not have good emotional feelings about us. He does not feel good about you. You know, in a, in a culture, again, where we kind of connect the word love with fee-fees and feelings and warm tinglies and da 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 God does not have, their, I'm telling you, if you are not in the right relationship with Jesus Christ and you're going your own way, God does not have tingly-wingly feelings about you. He doesn't. You are, the Bible says, you are an object of his wrath. There's a lot of people here hearing my voice. I'm telling you, it's the truth. This is the, the true message of the gospel. He does not like some of the things that you're doing, and yet he still loves you. That's the truth of the gospel. That our God, that even when we are in the midst of wrongdoing, God says, I still am pursuing you because I still love you. It's the gift of God's love through Jesus. How do we know that? Romans 5 doesn't get much clearer than this. It says in verse 6, when we were utterly helpless, like I had nowhere to turn. I had nothing to do. What do I do? When we were in that moment utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person. Though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. When he didn't feel good about you, he didn't feel good about what you're doing, he sent Jesus to die because of his love. I believe the reason why Christmas is the favorite holiday for, for most of us, and we love it, I mean, as Americans, we just love the holiday. Uh, and it's the most commercially, commercially marketable holiday, and the reason why we watch more movies and we listen to more music about Christmas than any other holiday, I think it's because we're a very emotional people. We, we love that. We want to create memories, and we want to have the, the hair stand up on the back of our neck. We, we are actually ruled, and, and we're run by emotion. And, and I don't mean that to be super negative. I mean it's, it's, it's just it's an emotional. We're, we're emotional. And Christmas is, is a warm, fuzzy, emotional holiday. You know, we wear these ugly sweaters because it makes us feel good. You know, we want to, we want to be excited, and we want to watch a Christmas story, and Ralphie get the BB gun, and all the things. You know, we, we love that. And, and this is, but this is, it, it's, it's good, but this is also part of the problem in a lot of us that when we approach love, giving it or receiving it, we think, well, I'm just not feeling anything. I don't feel love. I don't feel like God loves me. And I don't feel like I love this person. I don't, I, don't know what, you know, I don't know if these people love me because I'm not feeling anything. That is not what love is. If it was all about f- the way we feel, we'd all be in trouble because God is, there's been many times in our lives God has looked at us and not felt good about the things that we've done. But here's the truth from God's word. This is a couple of things I want you to know. I'm going to fire these real quick. One is that our culture says that love is what you feel. But God says that love is what you do. It's action. It's the steps that I take. Joseph, you think about Joseph. Now we go back. Do you really think that he was feeling any of that? Do you think he was very excited about, I'm getting ready to be a newlywed here we are, we've, we've saved ourselves for this moment, this is special, I'm in love with Mary, my heart just beats out of my chest, and now she's pregnant, and what has she done, and, and oh, by the way, I'm, I, this is, this is, God's kind of interrupting everything right now in the middle, middle of our lives, and, 
and I'm, I'm going to respect that. You think if, if he let his emotions run him, you think he would have... Do you think he would have tried to quietly divorce Mary so she wouldn't be embarrassed? And then taken on this responsibility and do exactly as God told him to do and, and uh, follow faithfully? I'm guessing that he probably wasn't feeling any of that. None of it. But, but he did it out of love. He did it because he loved God. God loved Joseph. Joseph loved Mary because he was loved by God. You know, it's flowing through him. And then Joseph loved Jesus. That's the goal that we need. We know that God loves us. That fills us. The fact that I know that I am treasured and valued by God. He loves me, and so I'm able to love other people as a result. Because I am so, so treasured by him, and I know it. There's, there's many of us that struggle with destination disease. And what I mean by that, we struggle with this. We struggle with destination disease. We believe you know, I'm, I feel unhappy right now. I'm not feeling anything right now. So if, maybe if I move somewhere else, then I'll be happy. Or if I get to this place in my life, or I buy the thing that I'm wanting, or whatever it is. You know, you just insert in the blank. If I meet the right person, I do this thing. Once I get there, then my life is going to change. We're looking for the right kinds of, of feelings, God says it's not about how you, how you feel, it's about what you do. It's the choices that you make. That's love. And here's something else. Our culture says that love is for those who deserve it. But God's, God says love is for the unworthy. Not one of us in here that's earned or done anything to earn God's love for us. That's the whole part of Christmas that resonates with us, I think, is every person on the planet, we all know we've done things that we're not proud of. Even people who are don't believe in Jesus at all, even those people would say, yeah, there's a lot of things in my life I'm not super proud of. A lot of things that I, I know I've done wrong. We've had some pretty rough moments and made destructive decisions. That's why Romans 5, 8 is so powerful. It says that God showed us his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Not when we cleaned ourselves up. I talk to people every once in a while. They say, I, I want to accept Jesus I think I'm almost ready. I'm almost ready, but I'm, I'm still trying to work on a few things first. So you're, you're missing it. You're missing the news of the gospel. It's not about doing a few things first. It's not about cleaning up your side of the street. Jesus died while you were still a sinner. He says, you come as you are. I love the quote by Tim Keller. He says that if Christmas is just a, a nice legend, then in a sense, you're on your own. But if Christmas is true... And that means that you can be saved by grace, which is not something that you do on your own. That you can be saved because of something that God did for you, because he loves you, the action that he took. Here's one more, one more thing about, about love. Our culture says that love is earned, or God says love is given. You can't earn it. There's nothing that you or I could do. You, you know... What the most unfair, I, I think there's a lot of unfair verses in the Bible, but probably the one that takes the list, the most unfair verse in the whole Bible, probably also the most well-known, John 3.16. You talk about not being fair. It says that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. There was no earning. There was no deserving. There was nothing that we did that we're like, well, okay, you guys, have, you guys have done so well. Guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to send you 
the most precious gift that I have. No. This is how he loved the world. He gave his one and only son while we were still sinners so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but will have eternal life. That is crazy and amazing and beautiful and totally unfair. And thank God for it. It's a wonderful gift. I'm going to light these candles. First week we remembered hope. When Jesus came, he's brought us hope. And then last week, peace. Jesus has come to give us peace. And this week, we remember his great love. I got to tell you this story. Uh, a few months ago, we had someone that visited our church from out of town. So they were just kind of passing through and they wanted, to, they wanted to go to church that morning, and so they found us somehow online or saw us on the highway, whatever, and decided to, to come here on a, on a Sunday morning. Just kind of a one-time thing, you know. And I, I want to let you know this because we don't ever want to take this, we don't ever want to take this for granted. We know what a, what a huge step it is for someone to walk into a church for the first time. I mean... If you could remember that day for yourself, some of you, maybe it was a long time ago, but going to a new place, you don't know, I don't know where I'm going to go, where I'm going to sit, will people talk to me, what's going to happen, you know, uh, you know, you just, you get, anxiety is high, you know, and, and all the insecurities are popping out, and, and, and some people, you know, many people have had a negative experience in a church, some people haven't come in a long time, maybe they've never been to a church ever, they don't know what to expect, there's always a, a lot of, a lot of anxiety, well, this person came and visited, and I got an email from them a couple of days later. And in their message, this is what they said. So I just wanted you to know that I visited your church for the first time. And like going to a new place for the first time, I wasn't sure if anyone would speak to me or if I would feel out of place. But I wanted to let you know that when I came in, there was a man in your church who greeted me, helped me get a cup of coffee, and then invited my wife and I to sit with him and his family. I have never felt so welcome and cared for in a church setting. These people didn't even know me, and yet they made me feel like I was welcome to be part of this family, and I just wanted you to know how much that meant to us. I, I don't want to embarrass them, but I'm going to embarrass them anyway. It was Tony and Tammy Whitehouse that did that that day that welcomed those people like that and you know you, you never know how much a small gesture of kindness can mean to someone and my challenge for all of us for, for this season is to remember the love that God has for us that we didn't earn it we didn't deserve it he didn't give it because we've been good enough but he selflessly loved us Jesus came in this unique, strange way to identify with us, to be with us, so that we might be reconciled and made right with God. And could we just let that be a channel? Could we just know, could we just rest in that? Could that just be enough to know that we are loved by God and so I can love others too? Let me pray for us. Lord, I thank you. We thank you that you sent Jesus. It, 
this concept, we've heard it so many times. We know the Christmas story. We've heard it every year of our lives. But it's still amazing. It still causes us to pause. And, and Lord, I pray as we, as we just look forward to the next few weeks leading up and remembering and celebrating all the wonderful things of this holiday. We're with family and we're with friends and we're doing all the things that we want to do to make it special. Help us, Lord, to really, really remember and to know, to feel that sense of peace that you love us. A lot of us have fathers that have been much less than perfect. And Lord, help us to, to rest in the truth that you are a perfect father who has loved us so well and that we can be confident and know who we are in you. Pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen. God bless you guys. Have a great week. Can't wait to see you next Sunday.